MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, October 22nd, 2021. Today, Merrick Garland testifies before the House Judiciary. The full House votes on Bannon's criminal referral for contempt. Nebraska Republican Congressman Fortenberry is stepping down from his committee assignments after being indicted. Five military veterans have resigned from Cinema's Advisory Council. Texas Governor Abbott has nominated a Trump election fraud sycophant to be the Secretary of State. And if you're wondering why Matt Gates seems scared, I'm about to tell you why. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Whoa, buddy. Yes. Long, long news day. <laughs> Indeed. There's some gems in here. There's some things that are going to make you frustrated like every day. But um, <laughs> yeah, apparently yeah. everyone also that lives in Nebraska, their last names are Farmy. I'm kidding. But Fortenberry. There you go, Fortenberry. Yeah, he's in trouble. Very much so. And, uh, you know, it was a long day in Congress for people who still get to be in it. I'll be talking to congressional <laughs> reporter for The Guardian, Hugo Lowell, in a bit about what went down. I was glued to my TV all day. Merrick Garland hearings, vote after vote in the House. I'm traveling tomorrow, well, today, as this show airs, to D.C., Boston, and New York. Patrons, you can check patreon.com slash wrote for meetup dates. We're going to have a couple happy hours with me. Times and locations and all that are on that Patreon page. Looking forward to hanging out with y'all. Breaking news, just, and here's where we have to kind of rewrite the script for the day. Yes. Which is, you know, something that does happen from time to time with late breaking news. The Justice Department has added two top prosecutors from D.C. to the child sex trafficking investigation of Matt Gates. That's according to two people briefed on the matter. This is a sign of the complex and high stakes nature of the inquiry into Mr. Gates, who, as we know, is a Florida Republican and Donald Trump's closest congressional allies. And his cheer up guy. He's his fluffer. He's the <laughs> he's guy his... he calls when he's sad. <laughs> exactly. Hey, little buddy, cheer up. So these prosecutors, Dana, one is a public corruption investigator with an expertise in child exploitation Ooh. crimes. The other, a top leader of the public corruption unit. And they've been working on the Florida based investigation for at least three months. That's people said. Fabulous. So if you're wondering if the DOJ is, you know, keeping tight lipped and keeping their cards close to their vest. It's been three months and we just found out about this. It's not unusual for prosecutors from the Justice Department in D.C. to be added to local teams of federal investigators in high profile cases. And especially someone who has deep and specific expertise like sex crimes. The Washington prosecutors have joined a group of federal authorities in Florida have been investigating accusations of sex trafficking, fraud and corruption by several people connected to Republican politics in Florida, including Matt Gates. The authorities have been examining whether Gates violated federal child sex trafficking rules and laws by providing goods or payments to a 17-year-old girl in exchange for sex. We'll stay on top of this story for you. And uh, yeah, that's welcome. Welcome to the show. That's kicking us off. That is kicking us off, but we have more news. So, AG, you want to do it? Yeah, let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. Top story today. Attorney General Merrick Garland testified before the House Judiciary today, chaired by Gerald Nadler. Not one of the members asked him if he was investigating Trump and top DOJ officials for either inciting the insurrection or plotting to throw out seven states electors to swing the election to Trump. And I think I know why. 
Jerry Nadler hinted at it in his opening statement when he said, quote, because although you have rightly brought charges against those that stormed the Capitol, the evidence shows you will soon have hard decisions to make about those that organized and incited the attack in the first place. Seems pretty clear to me, Nadler is suggesting, without objection from Garland, that Garland has not refused to go after Trump, but rather he hasn't gotten to that part, right? He hasn't gotten to that point in the investigation. That's very encouraging to me. Of course, naturally, the vice chair, Jim Jordan, complained about the Russia probe, masks, a Christmas, vaccine mandates, the Steele dossier, the IRS, and the email lady. <laughs> look over there, look over there, look over there, look over there. <laughs> During a Garland hearing. And then he wanted to play a video, but uh, he didn't give 48-hour notice per house rules and was denied. When asked by Nadler what he would do with the Bannon criminal referral, Merrick Garland gave the answer you'd expect him to give. We will apply the facts and the law and make a decision consistent with the principles of prosecution. And uh, when I talked to Hugo Lowell a little bit later in the show, he's got some inside information on how long that could take. Republicans focused mostly today in the hearing on the memo Garland penned asking the FBI to work with local law enforcement to protect school boards, teachers and administrators from violence and the threat of violence. Republicans seem to think this has something to do with the First Amendment, not uh, because they're stupid, but because they're involved in a concerted nationwide effort to intimidate students, parents and teachers that, you know, not to wear masks and to take they want to take over school boards to advance their dangerous agendas. Another Republican, Owens from Utah, told parents not to trust teachers and administrators. And Wisconsin Republican Tim Tiffany is apparently mad that the American Rescue Plan gave subsidies to black farmers and asked Garland why he defends that. Garland simply said, I defend and uphold the Constitution. There was a good back and forth with Rep Cohen. That's the guy that brought a bucket of chicken in mm-hmm. when, uh, you know, he, he, he when Barr refused to appear. And uh, he asked Garland if all the Trump DOJ officials that participated in the coup were out of the Department of Justice. And Garland says, as far as he knows, he wasn't aware that were of any of them were, that were left, like the banner names and the Trump appointees had been are out. Right. And then he asked if defending Trump's defamation in the E. Jean Carroll case was a good use of department resources. Excellent question. Garland said the department is not defending the defamation and that being AG means taking positions you would not take as a private citizen. And the case is based solely on the application of the Tort Claims Act. He went on to say that the D.C. Circuit Court precedent, which he is obliged to uphold, says that even defamatory statements made in public press conferences by government officials are within the scope of their duty for this very narrow purpose. He then asked, Cohen did, about the Stormy Daniels case. And this is Congressman Cohen, not Michael Cohen. And why Michael Cohen was charged, but Trump wasn't. How are you applying equal law? How is there equal justice under the law? If one is uh, in prison, the other's not. Garland said, and I quote, a very important element of the rule of law is that at the department that we don't comment on whether we're investigating what the status of investigations are until unless unless and until there is a public charge. And that's a direct quote. He said until and then he corrected himself. And said, unless and until there is a public charge. Interesting slip up. Maybe I'm looking too much into it. But we got to close this out with Representative Hakeem Jeffries, who said the Department of Justice under Garland is, quote, off to a good start. So it's a good way to end that one. And this takes us to Nebraska. We've got Rep. Jeff Fortenberry. Mr. Fortenberry on Wednesday stepped down from his committee assignments after being indicted for lying to federal investigators amid a probe into illegal campaign donations. In a letter to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Fortenberry said he is, quote, grateful for the outpouring of support 
from my friends and colleagues as we work against the injustice confronting me. <laughs> Not the fact that he was indicted for lying. The nine-term congressman cited GOP conference rules that members indicted on felony charges that may result in two or more years in prison must step down from their committees. That's a good rule. <laughs> Seems like a good fucking rule. Uh, Fortenberry stresses that the move is temporary. Apparently only one in two years. I'm kidding. And concluded his letter by stating, I look forward to taking up these committee assignments again once this matter is resolved in one to two years. Fortenberry serves in the powerful House Appropriations Committee and is the ranking member of an appropriations subcommittee overseeing agriculture and rural development. Now, a federal grand jury charged Fortenberry with making false statements to the FBI about his knowledge of illegal contributions to his 2016 campaign by a Lebanese Nigerian billionaire. And he lied mm. about it. That's illegal. Liar. Liar. He said true love. Not a witch. I'm your wife. I'm not even sure I want to be that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, five veterans, five military veterans tapped to advise Senator Kirsten Cinema, an Arizona Democrat. That's what it says here. I don't know if I believe Not it. even in quotes. I'm shocked. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Resigned from their posts. On Thursday, publicly accusing her of, quote, hanging your constituents out to dry in the latest sign of growing hostility toward a centrist uh, Republican who has emerged as a key holdout on President Biden's agenda. In a scathing letter obtained by The New York Times, the veterans took Ms. Cinema to task for her refusal to abolish the filibuster and her opposition to parts of Mr. Biden's multi-trillion dollar social safety net education, climate and tax plan. These are stances that have stymied some of his top priorities. Quote, you have become one of the principal obstacles to progress answering to big donors rather than your own people. That's what the veterans wrote in a letter that is to be featured in a new advertisement by Common Defense, a progressive veterans activist group that has targeted Kirsten Cinema. We shouldn't have to buy representation from you and your failure to stand by your people and see their urgent need is alarming. I think that is very well said. And someone else that has abandoned, actually he hasn't abandoned their people. He's giving their people exactly what they want. It's just not all the people of Texas. Governor Greg Abbott on Thursday, he appointed John Scott a Fort Worth attorney who briefly represented the former guy in a lawsuit challenging the 2020 election results in Pennsylvania as Texas's new secretary of state. If we couldn't see more shit going on in Texas with this next election. As secretary of state, Scott would oversee election administration in Texas, a task complicated in recent years by baseless claims of election fraud from Republicans in the highest levels of government fueled by the former guy. Now, the liar has filed a flurry the former president. He's filed a flurry of lawsuits nationwide and called for audits in Texas and elsewhere to review the results of the 2020 presidential elections. I think it's really fucking weird, AG, that they keep calling for audits in states he won, but whatever. Mm. Trump's own attorney general, Bill Barr, said that there was no evidence of widespread voter fraud. Let me go back. I do know why they're doing it. Oh. It's to make people question the validity of any election and voting in general. Oh, yeah. 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 So that's why they're doing it. Right. Back to the story. Trump's own attorney general, Bill Barr, said that there was no evidence of widespread voter fraud nationwide. And in Texas, an official with the secretary of state's office said the 2020 election was smooth and secure. Scott could not be immediately reached for comment. Shocking. He's very busy suppressing the vote, probably. Oh, on November 13th. Jesus Christ. <laughs> if you want to leave, if you want to leave that, you can. Sorry. So my turn. Whew. 
On November 13th, Scott signed on as counsel to a lawsuit filed by Trump attempting to block the certification of Pennsylvania's election. A few days later, on the eve of a key hearing in the case, Scott filed a motion to withdraw as an attorney for the plaintiffs. Scott's motion also asked to withdraw Brian Hughes, a Texas state senator from Mineola, who works for Scott's law firm as an attorney for the case. Now, the motion said the attorneys had reached a mutual agreement that the plaintiffs would be best served under different representations. Scott's law firm was the second in the span of a few days to withdraw from that case. Now, top elections positions. Top elections position has been open since the end of May when former Secretary of State Ruth Hughes resigned. Scott will eventually have to be confirmed by the legislature, which is very Republican, ended a nine-month slog of lawmaking just 10 days ago. Now, the legislature is not scheduled to meet again until 2023. This is important. Whenever you think everything's going okay in Texas, it's not. They literally have a year off, and then shit hits the fan. Now, until then, Scott will serve as interim secretary of state and will oversee next year's statewide races in which Abbott will run for re-election and hopefully will lose. Abbott's announcement of Scott's appointment did not mention Scott's work for the former guy. Of course it didn't. Even as Abbott has endured mounting pressure from Trump supporters to call for an audit of the 2020 elections. They're just morons. Oh, putting uh, his friend in charge of elections. Wow, look at that. In an election year. Huh. Before the legislature can confirm him because they take a year off. Okay, cool. Got it. Yep. Roger, Texas. Interesting way you set up your rules. Oh, man. Uh, All right. We'll be right back with Bannon vote news from congressional reporter Hugo Lowell. He works for The Guardian. And uh, it's a really interesting conversation. A couple of interesting and key insights into what happens next. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's AG for the Beans. And today's show is brought to you by Wealthfront. If you want to invest for the long term, it helps to invest on your terms. Maybe you're pro-solar. Maybe you're a cannabis supporter. Maybe you're an emerging market crypto nerd. Well, whoever you are, you should invest with what you believe in. And that's what makes Wealthfront so great. In just minutes, you can get started with Wealthfront's classic portfolio, or you can make things custom with investments that you care about most. Wealthfront even offers a socially responsible portfolio, a mix of funds built around human rights, climate change, and sustainability. Wealthfront is super easy to personalize, meaning you can tweak your portfolio to match the things you care about, like clean energy funds, crypto trusts, cannabis, and there's hundreds more. No matter what you're into, Wealthfront will help you build wealth responsibly, and you'll feel good about it. It protects you from making those decisions that you don't want to make, like going all in on some bad advice you got on Reddit. Best of all, Wealthfront is totally automated. They do all the trading, all the rebalancing, and they even help lower your tax bill as you invest. It's streamlined. It's effortless. It works like a charm. Or, like, really exceptional software, to be honest. Get your first $5,000 managed for free at Wealthfront.com slash Daily Beans. Start building your wealth today at Wealthfront.com slash Daily Beans. That's Wealthfront, F-R-O-N-T, dot com slash Daily Beans. And today's show is also brought to you by BetterHelp, who provides professional online therapy whenever and wherever you need it. Everyone needs a little help from time to time, and BetterHelp counselors are always there to provide support and guidance no matter what you're going through. As you know, I have PTSD and anxiety, and it's always better, I've found, to seek assistance rather than to try to do it by yourself. And I know asking for help is hard, but BetterHelp makes it easy. You can message your counselor anytime from anywhere in the world. You get timely responses and you can schedule weekly meetings by phone or video. It's more affordable than offline counseling. Financial aid is available and changing counselors is always easy and free. So visit BetterHelp's website and read some testimonials like this one by user CE who says, I have enjoyed my experience with Hillary very much. She understands my concerns and I feel heard. I like that she encourages me to make goals and uh, the resources she provides on things we talk about in session are amazing. Visit betterhelp.com slash daily beans. That's betterhelp, 
H-E-L-P. You can join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners. You get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I am joined again today by a congressional reporter for The Guardian, Hugo Lowell. Hello, Hugo. Great to be back. Yeah, you promised you would come back and here you are. Thank you. And uh, we wanted to talk to you today. Uh, well, I did. I'm, no one's here with me. But I wanted to talk to you today because we had a couple of things happen in ho- in the House of Representatives this morning and then some follow through. So can we talk real quick about uh, what went down uh, on Capitol Hill today? Yeah, absolutely. So the House finally got around to voting on Steve Bannon's criminal contempt of Congress citation, and they passed it. Um, mostly along party lines, but uh, nine Republicans joined in to send the contempt referral to the Justice Department. So Bannon is uh, now on his way to being prosecuted if Merrick Garland and the U.S. Attorney's Office uh, deems it that he's committed a crime. Yeah. And when you say finally got around to it, you mean finally today, because there was a lot of procedural stuff that was happening. But I think today was pretty fast in the grand scheme of, you know, since the moment he failed to show up on October 14th. And now, like you said, it's in the hands of the Department of Justice. You mentioned Merrick Garland. He testified before the House Judiciary and Gerald Nadler this morning. Did you catch any of that? Or do you have any thoughts about uh, what Merrick Garland had to say today? It wasn't much. Yeah, I should just say, I mean, yeah, the House got around to voting. I mean, for for us covering it, it has been a, a long journey because we reported at the start of the month that Bannon was not going to comply with the subpoena when we and we uh, scooped that news. And then finally, at the end of the well, near the end of the month, we're finally getting to that point. So it's, it's a long process for us. But in the grand scheme of things, yes, they did move very, very quickly. In fact, you know, three days immediately after Bannon skipped his scheduled deposition day, the committee held a vote. And then we were already on our way to the DOJ. With Garland, I did catch the start of it. And it was interesting that Jerry Nadler, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, went straight into the January 6th matter right after his opening statement, uh, which I think kind of gives you a sense of where Democrats in, in the House are on this. And it was interesting because the AG did not commit to immediately taking up the referral. Because if you look at the statute, it doesn't say anything about the time frame. It just says DOJ has a duty to bring the matter before a grand jury, but it doesn't say how quickly. And I think that's going to be the sticking point. Yeah. And the last time this happened in in 1983, I believe the DOJ, after they accepted the referral from Congress, had an indictment eight days later. So that's the only other real (laughs) historic sort of comparison we have to go on. And when Merrick Garland was answering questions today, he was very careful to say, I'm not telling you whether I'm going to do it or not. What I'm telling you is we'll follow the law and the, the policy and the procedures and uh, that and we'll make a decision based on that. Yeah, I think that's right. I think the DOJ really wants to be seen as independent here. And Garland's in a tricky spot because he wants to, I think, insulate the department from accusations that, you know, Biden wants these guys prosecuted. And he said that public uh, wants Bannon prosecuted. And he said that publicly. And so Garland doesn't want to be seen as doing the president's bidding in the way that I think Bill Barr did not mind. I think Garland does mind. And so he's been very, very careful to say, we're going to look at the merits of the case and we're going to look at the facts of the case before we decide whether to 
to uh, pursue a, a prosecution. And I think that was on the show today. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think what's interesting, you talk about Merrick Garland and how Nadler launched right into January 6th. That was really the only, like, I watched the entire thing, including Jim Jordan. <laughs> so please send me flowers. But no one else brought up the question, are you investigating the leaders of the insurrection? Are you investigating the Eastman memo? Are you looking into the Clark letters? No one asked him any of that. I think it must have been already kind of known that he would just continue to say, I'm not going to tell you. But you're right. Nadler brought it up in the beginning, said, because although you have rightly brought charges against those that stormed the Capitol, the evidence shows you will soon have hard decisions to make about those that organized and incited the attack in the first place. And that is the first mention I've heard of anyone publicly saying or asserting, you know, he just hasn't gotten to that part yet. Yeah, I I caught that statement and I thought it was interesting. And I just don't know if the way he phrased it made it sound like he knew something that other people didn't because, right, Nadler's not on the January 6th committee and the Judiciary Committee ostensibly has not been investigating uh, the capital attack really in any form. I mean, a lot of it was Senate Judiciary and House Oversight. House Judiciary hasn't really been involved in this at all. And the way he phrased it made me think if Nadler might be trying to previewing some sort of action to come. I thought that was a curious statement. I don't know yet what to make of it, though, I think. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, on one hand, I tend to look like very closely at deliberately written statements. And on the other hand, I'm like, am I just reading into this too much? Right. We just have to wait and see. So it's kind of six and one half dozen of the other when it when it comes to stuff like that. So this was a very long day. There were a couple other procedural votes to that happened. I think there was a vote to end debate. But were you surprised that, that nine Republicans voted for the actual criminal referral for Bannon? I was. I, we were obviously going to get Kinzinger and Cheney as members on the select committee voting to hold Bannon in criminal contempt. I think some of the others were interesting. People like Katko, who, you know, who negotiated the original scope of what would have been the January 6th commission voted to hold Bannon in contempt. Because the question really was, did Bannon skip the subpoena? And I think the question obviously is yes. And what Republicans are trying to do in the whip notice, at least that was sent around yesterday night, was to say, well, yes, okay, Bannon might have skipped the subpoena, but the subpoena wasn't legitimate in the first place. And so uh, it's not really Bannon's fault, which is a very strange way to view whether or not someone's defied a congressional subpoena and a little bit crazy given House Republicans were were the ones at the start of the Trump administration being infuriated by Bannon claiming executive privilege and not answering their questions when they held the gavel in the committees. So it was a strange position to take. There was some color on the House floor as well when uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene had a bust up with Liz Cheney and Liz Cheney told her to go back to anti-Semitic space lasers. Uh, rather than weighing on uh, serious matters. But it was quite a tempestuous day, I think, on the House floor. Yeah, it seemed to be coming to a head at, at that point and a couple other points. I do have another couple of questions for you, but I have to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? Absolutely. Thanks, everybody. We'll be right back. Hello there, everyone. This is Allison with The Beans. And this portion of the show is brought to you by Allform, an amazing company that makes beautiful furniture customized to your specifications. The premium furniture Allform creates is tailored to exactly meet your needs and is delivered to your doorstep free of charge. 
With Allform, you can customize your own luxury furniture using premium materials, but at a fraction of the cost of the regular stores. It's all up to you, which color you pick, the size, the shape, configuration, which fabric you want, which is stain, spill, and scratch resistant. I selected a three-seater sofa with whiskey-colored leather walnut legs and a chaise lounge. It's comfortable, it's stylish, and it looks great. And I really love the stain and spill-resistant fabric. It's amazing. All form ships fast, arrives in the mail in just three to seven days, and it's easy to put together with no tools. They have beautiful armchairs and love seats all the way up to eight-seat sectionals. And you can always start small, and if your house grows or your family grows, you can add more seats later. Best of all, you get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it, which is more than three months. And if you don't love it, they will pick it up for free and give you a full refund. No hassle. They also have a forever warranty, so that's amazing. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash dailybeans. Allform is offering 20% off all orders for listeners at allform.com slash dailybeans. And today's show is also brought to you by ZipRecruiter. According to Forbes, gyms, nail salons, hotels, mom-and-pop shops... Uh, and and more are all set to go on epic hiring sprees in the coming months to meet the pent up demand for all these services. I'm so excited, especially to see small businesses bounce back. And I love supporting my favorite spas, concert venues and more. All of these businesses reopening means millions of jobs will be need to be filled. So where do these businesses turn to fill these roles fast? They go to ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Beans. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, they send your job to over 100 top job sites, giving you access to their network of millions of job seekers. ZipRecruiter's matching technology scans resumes to find qualified candidates for your open roles and proactively presents them to you. You can easily review recommended candidates and invite your top choices to apply for your job. It encourages them to apply faster. ZipRecruiter's technology is so effective, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Beans. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Beans. Again, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Beans. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Everybody, welcome back. We're talking with congressional reporter for The Guardian, Hugo Lowell, about what was going on in Capitol Hill today. It was a very big day in Congress. Before the break, we were talking a little bit about the vote and some of the contentiousness in the House, we know, with regards to the criminal referral for Bannon. Now, one thing I noticed that didn't come up that I thought for sure was going to come up was your Pat Cipollone letter that <laughs> that you pointed out. Talk a, a little bit about that. I mean, it's kind of moot now because, well, not really, though, when you think about criminal prosecution, right? I mean, it could come up as evidence as to why he would have to show up. Briefly tell us about what, that letter and what it sort of reveals about extra reasons Bannon can't just not show up for a subpoena. Yeah, so this whole thing revolves around Bannon claiming he has absolute immunity from testifying to Congress because he's protected by executive privilege. And there's a whole bunch of arguments which suggest that is not the case. But I think one that stood out was this letter that was written by former White House counsel Pat Cipollone during the Trump administration when the House Judiciary Committee wanted to depose Corey Lewandowski as, as, part of the, as part of their investigation into the Mueller report and trying to get DOJ to turn over the full report to the committee. And in the letter, Pat Cipollone seems to acknowledge that Lewandowski has to testify. And the condition and the path that he travels on this is to say, yes, he has to testify, but he just won't answer questions as it re- relates to communications with Trump because they're, right, because they're covered by executive privilege was the argument. But it doesn't say that Lewandowski cannot appear at all. Mm. And in having Lewandowski actually testify, 
you know, in his capacity as a non-White House, non-government employee, which is what Bannon was on January 6th, having been fired from the White House in 2017, Pat Cipollone basically laid out the way for people like Bannon to testify before Congress. And now that there's a precedent set by Trump's own former White House counsel, it makes his position, I think, even weaker. Yeah, well, I'll be looking for that in whatever decision Department of Justice makes. And again, I don't want to tell anyone it's only going to take eight days. I have no idea. One example in the last 40 years does not a pattern make. Can I just make a point about that, actually, but just about the just about the speed, because there's some interesting stuff that came out today, which in, in fairness, I've not had a chance to flesh out completely, but I think is important is DOJ, certainly if you speak to kind of people on the inside at Maine Justice, they really do not see a particularly fast kind of possible prosecution here for Bannon, which I thought was really interesting. And part of that is because there is now a theory percolating around that justice will have to get a ruling on whether the committee has a legitimate purpose in subpoenaing Bannon. Because if you think about the other litigation that Trump's initiating, which is over the National Archives records, because in that litigation, he's essentially claiming that the committee is a sham. If the DOJ wants to proceed with a prosecution of Bannon, they will ha- they may have to establish first in a separate ruling that the committee is legitimate, and that could delay things for months, if not for years. So that was just the other point about the time frame. Again, you know, in the statute, it doesn't say anything about having to move immediately on this, and you know, DOJ really doesn't want to get into conflicts about executive privilege and how far it extends. What vehicle would that take to the courts for the Department of Justice to determine? Would they be waiting for the Trump lawsuit to see if the courts determine that it is a they have a legitimate legislative purpose or is it just there in their charter that they do? It's a very good question. I don't think it's been fully fleshed out yet. This was kind of lying prosecutors just just shooting the shooting the breeze a little bit, I think. But I think it speaks to a wider worry at DOJ, that what they don't want to do is to move ahead quickly with a prosecution, screw it up, and have the court chuck it out, because that would undermine the select committee's mandate more, and also undermine Congress's authority to enforce subpoenas in court down the line. And so I think they want to be very, very deliberate about this. And so if I had to bet, I would bet they take longer to pursue Bannon than they might someone else. Yeah, makes sense. And, you know, we did have talking about what could happen in the future. We had 202 House Republicans voting against enforcing this subpoena. And I, I don't know if this is feasible, but I'm wondering if it could be used against them any time in the future if, say, Republicans take control of the House and want to subpoena people, if it could be used to say, no, uh, look, you you said we don't have to enforce these. I mean, it just seems like an odd way to vote. I know you you've been, you know, in the first segment here with you, you were talking about how they were saying it's well, we don't want to vote for it because the entire subpoena is illegitimate or the you know this January sixth committee is illegitimate, but it just it seems like an odd sort of standalone thing to vote no on yeah i mean i I wouldn't read too much into this. I think today's House Republicans and this Congress have been particularly all over the place from you know at on the one hand they are very you know just just as an example on the one hand, they're very much against proxy voting in the House, and they have a lawsuit open to 
get Pelosi to return to normal voting. Yeah, at the same time, you have schools of Republicans voting by proxy when it suits them, like when they want to attend CPAC. So I think there's a lot of contradictions and a lot of hypocrisy within the House Republican conference at the moment. And so I think this is just a, another instance of that. And I'm sure when Republicans are next in the majority, they will, they will completely forget how they uh, decided to uh, vote down Steve Bannon's contempt referral. So I think this is just day in a life of uh, the House GOP. But I think, you know, Trump's hold on the party is still there. He is still the leader of, of the party and the conference, and they don't want to do anything that could upset him. Yeah, I imagine it would be much like McConnell forgetting that you don't appoint Supreme Court justices in the year of an election. <laughs> right. Yeah. So short memories for how they conduct themselves. Thank you so much, Hugo, for coming back. I'm glad you did. And uh, we will see where this goes from here. Department of Justice has it. It's in their hands and we'll keep an eye on it. Yeah, thank you. I mean, certainly uh, Bannon is not not right about this. I think tonight as the House voted to hold him in criminal contempt, I think in any other Congress for any other official, it would have been a big deal. But uh, Bannon is busy in a sign of where the Republican Party is talking to a bunch of local Republicans in Gettysburg tonight at a at an Eisenhower dinner. So Yeah, I don't see him being worried either. Even if he does get arrested, he's just going to raise money off of it. So. Right. <laughs> it's sort of a win-win for him in, in his warped mind, at least. Thank you so much again, everybody. Follow Hugo Lowell on Twitter. Excellent congressional reporting and congressional reporter for The Guardian. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody, it's AG here for The Daily Beans. You all wanted inclusive clothing companies, and that is why today's show is sponsored by Tomboy X. I searched for a new underwear brand because my previous ones never fit, and they didn't look right on me, and they rolled down. But Tomboy X made underwear that actually gets me. I love my new boy shorts. I got the Witch's Brew print, which is perfect for me because I love brew and I'm a witch. Uh, they fit and look awesome. With boldly, unapologetically all-inclusive underwear line since 2014, Tomboy X caters to clients of every body type, shape, gender, and size. All sizes. From boxer briefs to bikinis and boy shorts to bras, every Tomboy X clothing item is made to fit you and how you see yourself. And besides underwear, they have loungewear and swimwear and socks and t-shirts and other accessories too. Quality, fit, and inclusivity are the hallmarks of every product. Their attention to detail includes no back seams to ensure a comfortable fit that never rides up, plus a silky waistband that doesn't roll down no matter what size or shape you are, which is awesome for me because I'm high-waisted. Tomboy X has the underwear that all bodies will love. And with their love at first wear guarantee, you can order risk-free while you find your perfect fit. Discover your inner tomboy and let me get you started with a special discount. Go to TomboyX.com, enter code DAILYBEANS, all one word, at checkout to get an extra 20% off. That's an extra 20% off when you enter Daily Beans at TomboyX.com. That's TomboyX.com. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And today's show is also brought to you by Lettuce Grow. Most people's first experience with growing veggies themselves never gets past that first step, planting the seeds, me included. Because of this, most people just revert back to buying their produce at the grocery store and wondering if it's really good for them. The Lettuce Grow is here to help with a hydroponic garden that can help you easily grow fruits and vegetables. No green thumb is required, I can attest. You've seen the Lettuce Grow farm stand all over social media. It's self-watering, self-fertilizing, hydroponic, and it allows you to grow your own farm-fresh produce at home. With over 200 varieties of fruits and veggies, including edible flowers, which I love, cocktails. They have tomatoes and strawberries and eggplant. They have so much stuff. And within only five minutes of maintenance each week, you can grow up to 36 plants at once. You get pre-grown seedlings that are non-GMO, never been exposed to harmful chemicals or additives, and they're ready to harvest in four to six weeks. It uses 95% less water than traditional gardening, and there's no waste. 
Only four square feet of space is needed, indoors or outdoors. Uh, It's made of food-grade, environmentally-friendly materials. And for every 10 sold, they will donate one to a school or nonprofit organization. Go to lettucegrow.com slash beans to shop the farm stand. And be sure to use promo code BEANS at checkout, and you'll get $50 off the farm stand. There's a 90-day guarantee, and we have less than 1% return rate. That's $50 off the farm stand at lettucegrow, L-E-T-T-U-C-E, grow.com slash beans. Thanks to Lettuce Grow for sponsoring another episode. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. And if you have any good news or confessions or corrections or you want to make us pronounce your towns in Wales, please don't. And anything you want to send in to us, photos of your pets or your kids or your happy place, you can do that by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. And Dana, you're filling in for Amy Carrero today. And uh, we are off next week. And then she will be, I think she'll be back the week after that, unless she's, you know, doing more movie star stuff. I'll, I'll have to check in. Who knows? Yep. We'll find out. We will definitely find out. Uh, let, let me kick us off here. Gail and Dory, pronouns she, her, they, them, say hello, mistresses of the Majestic Beans. I just had to share my most wonderful day with everyone because honestly, we all need hope in our lives. I am agoraphobic and therefore getting outside is an awful thing for me, especially during COVID. Every now and then, however, someone brings me out of my horrid shell for a little while. Well, let me tell you, today was one of those days. A wonderful, lovely fellow Beans MSW patron picked me up today, (gasps) took me for a drive out to the local lake, and then hung out with Tall Man and myself for a few hours. I can't tell you how good it feels to have that. And honestly, it would have never happened without this wonderful community. Dory, my dear, you will be a beloved friend forever. As pod tax, I give you proof of our outside adventure, including Myrtle the Turtle. As for all of you wonderful people out there listening, no matter what's going on in your lives, please find joy wherever you can. Allison and Dana, please keep laughing. It brings me joy. We will indeed. Myrtle the Turtle. Look at these lovely photos. Oh, and the photo of the two of you is fantastic. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, beans, leguminati, come together in your towns. I love it. Send us photos. Yeah. Meetups. You guys can have meetups without us. Seriously, do it. Mm-hmm. All right. This next one's from Emily, pronouncing her. Hello, AG and Dana. Thank you for doing what you do each day. You're my only, quote, daytime podcast that I listen to. The best way I've found to fall asleep is to start up a podcast, so I usually miss the last half because I've fallen asleep. I know the first half of so many stories. <laughs> LOL. I'm writing with good news. I'm 27, and for the first time in my life, I truly feel that I have my mental health, my general health, and my other adult fairs in good place. All right, Emily, stop bragging. I know, show off. <laughs> but seriously. Oh. All right, this is a huge accomplishment in my eyes. I finally have a job that doesn't make me want to rip my hair out. I'm loving living in my one-bedroom apartment that's finally put together home, and I am in a good place with friends and family. The Trump years were rough on my family. I wouldn't call my dad a Trump supporter, but he voted for him by default because he was the Republican nominee. Staying positive during the pandemic has been my kryptonite, but after lots of therapy and wine, I think I'm starting to see those worries turn around. Wishing all the cautious optimism to you and all the Beans listeners. I've included a picture of my pup, She will be eight soon, but has gone gray early. I feel you, pup. I feel you. People either (laughs) think she's a puppy or an old lady, and she's neither. I have no idea what breed she is. When people ask, I usually just say Craigslist, because that's where I found her in college. (laughs) In my eyes, she's just eight pounds of weird. She's a Craigslist. Oh, she's like a terrier wiener dog-ish something. Like a a terrier wiener dog, Scotty. This is the cutest little 
Girl, oh, look man. at the teeth. Love Emily, I love the submission. I love that you feel good. And I just keep on going. It makes me happy to hear this stuff. We're all going through so much shit and to have someone be like, you know what? I got it together today. Get it. Get it. Yeah. And at 27, you no are so kidding. far ahead of the game. My goodness. My 20s were like the junior high of life. I hated my <laughs> 20s. <laughs> oh, this little dot, this picture with the mouth, with the, and yeah, under the so, bottom teeth. Yeah, so cute. Next up from Heidi, pronouns she and her. Mostly, I just want to say thank you for all the work that you do. I get to hear your voices and laugh with you uh, pretty much every day of the week. And that has made a world of difference to my sanity. My good news is silly but sweet. It comes with a song I wrote for my cat. Yes. My husband and I are cat rescuers. 19 in a very catified home. Wow. And we tend to bring in cats that are deemed unadoptable. This boy, Tan Man, and his sister did not want to be touched. So no one wanted them. And they had been living in a shelter for over two years when we brought them home. I wrote a very funny song for him to the tune of Mr. Sandman. Mr. Tan Man, you are a dream. You are the cutest boy that I've ever seen. Give me your whiskers to tickle our noses. Too bad your poop doesn't smell like roses, Mr. Ten Man. Ah, you are divine. Boo, 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 boo. I'm so lucky I get to call you mine. Ah, ah, please turn on your magic beam. Mr. Ten Man, bring me a dream. Oh, my God, that's so cute. Thank you again for all the info you give and all the hallelujahs. Needless to say... He and his sister are now my my best friends on their own terms, and I could not love them more. Look at him. <laughs> He's so cute. They're the, so sweet. The very gentlemanly paws crossed in front. Oh, and a belly. Paws. And a belly. Oh, my goodness. Um, if it's okay with you, I'll take the next two because they're one short, and then you can close us out. Yeah, make it happen. All right. This is from Anonymous, pronouns she and her. This is shit parents say. Years ago, I was in a rush to get out the door and wanted to remind my son one last time of the chores he needed to do before I got home. So I called out, mow the stairs, and vacuum the lawn. Ah, I wonder if he did, because that's some shit I would do. That is some shit I would do. All right, this next one's from Christy, pronouns she and her. Good news and confessions. Hello, listener uh, from back in the kitchen table days. Thank you for all that you do. I'm grateful to receive timely, accurate information from you and your team every morning. For my pod pet tax, I submit a picture of my law student's daughter, Olivia's two rescued kittens, <laughs> Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Sonia Soda Meow. <laughs> Ginsburg and Soda Meow. I love so it. So cute. Um, and look at these kittens. Oh, oh <gasps> this one is eaten. That is the best fucking picture. Look at this cat. <laughs> this looks delicious. This looks delicious. Finally, from Angela, pronouns she and her, I want to add a silly thing plus a cute thing a kid said. When my dog yawns, I look offended and huff. Oh, am I boring you? And I think it's hilarious. (laughs) As for things kids say, my sister told my niece to put out one of her books for charity. She did so, and my sis asked, is that book in good shape? And my niece nodded her head enthusiastically and replied, it is. It's a very good shape. It's a square. That's a great answer. <laughs> For my pet tax, this is the best photo ever. I'm enclosing other people's fantastic pets in wonderful photos I've saved and savored. I know you will enjoy. Look at the <laughs> second picture, though. <laughs> oh. There is tiny. Okay, so the first one is a pup <laughs> looking at a pup snowman, which is a great pup snowman. And the second one is a fairly large dog on a chair because he's afraid of four adorable kittens. 
my God, this is so great. That is fantastic. I love the snow dog. And it, this reminds me of Steph Miller's uh, dog, the, the Pyrenees. Totally. Just looking, looking at this dog like, excuse me. Oh, my God. Totally. Who the fuck are you? God, that's funny. <laughs> the kittens. Oh, that's so great. Thank you for sending that in. I really appreciate that. And thanks to everybody for sending in all your stuff. Yeah, no, no Amy's court cases today. So no, uh, we have no rulings to make from the bench. But if you have any disputes you want to send in or anything else of any of the games that we play, please feel free to do so by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. Dana, anything before we get out of here for the weekend, for the week? Yes, have a fabulous week. I am get to go back and do comedy. This makes me very, very happy. So just know Ooh. that that is my good news. I get to be on a stage in front of what looks to be about 600 and very excited women uh, wow. in Mexico, which will be probably an outdoor uh, venue, which makes me happy safety-wise. So yes, that is my good news. And I'm looking forward to it. And I will report back. I will report back when I'm home. 600. That's a big ass show. Congratulations. Awesome. Thank you. I'm thank so you. proud of you. I know you're going to love it. I know you're going to kill it. Thank Break you, legs, my friend. My friend. And uh, everybody, until, uh, until we meet again, if I'm meeting up with you in D.C., Boston, or New York, I'll see you then. Uh, otherwise, I've got great, new, fresh, amazing content for you all next week. I hope you tune in. Uh, and I'm on vacation, Danny. You know what that means? It's indictment time. So uh, we'll see what happens. Um, but I am dusting off the old Fantasy Indictment League for sure. Do and it. This, speaking of Fantasy Indictment League, this weekend, Sunday, you can hear me talk with Peter Strzok about the Oleg Deripaska raid. It's a very, very interesting conversation. You don't want to miss it. And of course, you and I and Mary covering the final episode of her of the MSW Book Club for her book, The Reckoning, which you need to buy so we can kick Tucker Carlson off of the charts. Indeed. Do it. Do it now. Everybody, until next time, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been Allison Gill. And I've been Dana Goldberg. And them's The Beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.